thanks for tuning in to this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We're a church that exists to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. We hope you encounter Jesus today while you listen to this message. Have an amazing day. We have the legend, Jimmy Seibert in the house. Come on up, Jimmy. Give it, come on. Well, like I said, we do standing ovations around here. Honor him. Thank you. We love you. Jimmy is the, the founder and leader of the Antioch Network of Churches. Uh, if you've been around at all this, this weekend, then you, you were introduced to him last night. He's got a great word to share with us. So thankful that you're here. He's been a father in the Lord to me, a friend, a mentor, an inspiration. And he has a great word to share with us. Not just a, a sermon that he's preached sometime, but it is a timely word of the Lord for us as a church. So uh, let's just receive that this morning. Are your hearts open? Awesome. Thank you, brother. All right. Come on. Good, man. Oh, there we go. It is so great to be here. I'm just a little sad for my wife, Laura. Uh, She's not able to be with us this weekend. She was with our youngest son. We've been married for 33 years, and we have four kids, two son-in-laws, and two grandsons. So um, again, so proud of my family, but they are so proud of you. We carry you guys in our hearts. the joy of the Antioch movement is sons and daughters and family all around the country and, and all around the world. Um, we actually are, uh, I think in the next couple of months, we'll be in 100 different locations internationally, um, over 50 nations. I got corrected last night. It's uh, 50 nations. And then in the U.S., we have 43 uh, U.S. churches, and we're going to be going for 50 by the end of the year. And so God's at work, and we're all a part of a big family. And I do want to do this. I just have to say, uh, you know, Andrew and Heather, you guys are being led by men and women of integrity of heart and skill of hands, hearts of David. And uh, being with your leadership team and your elder team, you guys got it good. I don't know if you know that, but you are so blessed. It's ridiculous. And uh, I was a bit jealous just sitting at the table saying, wow, anybody would love to have this community, this leadership team. So I want to honor those guys uh, uh, as well. Hey, I want to dive in um, <coughs> Excuse me, with a couple thoughts. So the first one is, Antioch Indy, the picture I get in my mind in praying for you guys is like a launch pad when a rocket's about to blast off and you got all the, you know, all the fire, the things shaking, the ice is falling off of the side of the rocket because it's about to take off. And what I mean by that is, of course, you guys are experiencing growth. God's doing stuff in your lives. But corporately, I believe with all my heart that God's going to start putting inside of you guys churches to plant. Just as Indy is a hub of the Midwest, it's the centerpiece of the Midwest, and it's always been a place where people come and go from. So it'll be a launching pad to begin to plant churches in the Midwest. (laughs) And my extra, excuse me. My exhortation for you guys as well, thank you, sir, is for you guys to begin to look as well internationally. And you say, hey, well, we're just a young church. We're just kind of getting our feet settled. But listen, you're not just a church. You're a church planting church. It's in your DNA. It's in your family word. It's what we're called to do as an Antioch people. And as soon as you start stretching out in the Midwest, you'll find growth here. 
And as soon as you look to the farthest reaches of the unengaged and unreached, you'll find that God will begin to flourish here in a unique way. But remember that picture of the launch pad? What is, where does that fuel and fire come from? Where, to launch things, whether that's in our personal lives, whether that to launch uh, something new in our family, our neighborhood, our city, nations of the earth, however small or large it is, that fuel inside of that launch pad and that jet is the fire of God and it's the intercessions of the saints. Without a prayer movement, you do not have a church planning movement. Without a prayer base, you do not have the miraculous signs and wonders. Without a prayer base, you don't change and transform families, let alone neighborhoods. But with it, all things are possible. Isaiah 56, 7 says, It will come to the house of the Lord with joy in prayer. God will accept our burnt offerings, our sacrifices of praise and prayer will be acceptable to God. For we are called to be a house of prayer for all the nations. On your list of everything the church is, it's the house of God, it's the family of God, it's the administration of God, it's the eternal purpose of God, it's the hope of God, it's the pillar and support of truth, and it is a house of prayer for all the nations. Remember, the only thing Jesus got a bit mad about, right? Not only, but one of the things that Jesus got mad about was he said, you're, you're making my house a place of buying and selling. I call my house a house of prayer for all the nations. So my hope today is I just kind of get ramped up here on talking about prayers. You'll be personally stirred. You'll go back home and say, how can we literally embrace prayer? And then your life group and you as a church will go to the next place in prayer. All right, you ready? All right, here we go. I was in um, Chiang Mai, Thailand um, um, in June. And I was visiting some friends who run an anti-trafficking organization called Zoe International. From my perspective, it's the best in the world. They literally do everything from rescue to healing and restoration to witness protection programs to discipleship to then putting them back and integrating them into the church, into their community. Even some of them going back to the villages that actually sold them and them declaring the gospel. Full transformation and incredible people. We have the privilege of partnering with a church plant that we're doing there. You'll, you'll see about a hundred of their staff and kids that are on the front row worshiping with all their hearts on Sunday mornings, celebrating the goodness of God, even with the in-depth work that they do and everything they've come out of. So I had the privilege of being there with them uh, on site, and we got invited to a Wednesday night uh, meeting, which is their closed meeting, because many of the kids, they come out of these terrible backgrounds. Uh, many of them are in witness protection programs. They, they are uh, working through things, so they're not, they're in uh, uh, confined quarters for a season. So this is a very private meeting. So we have the privilege of being invited into their Wednesday night family worship. So let's just say there's 150 kids, 12 to 18 years old maybe, uh, some staff as well. So maybe a couple hundred of us in there. And before we had gone to the meeting, uh, the, the, the leaders were telling us their story. And a, a couple named Mike and Carol. And Carol was, she's kind of the, the visionary leader. Mike is the behind-the-scenes guy and just a rock-solid admin guy. And she keeps talking about Mike's prayer life. And she said, you know, when we started this, we said, what do you do? How do you rescue kids? How do you deal with all this? And she said, Mike would 
pray all night. I mean, I'd get up in the morning. I said, Mike, what'd you do? He said, I stayed up all night praying. She said, he did that month after month, year after year. Mike would put in three to five hours a day in intercession to lay the table for everything that we're doing here. And she said that in a bit of a passing sentence, and then we went on. So I'm back. So here we are. We, we step into the meeting, and you just sense the presence of God. And they did that, 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 that thing, that honor thing they do in Asia where they had, I was with four or five friends, they had us all stand up at the front and the kids came by and greeted us before we started the meeting. And I was, I was just kind of slow motion there realizing that these kids have been abused and raped over and over again by people stronger and bigger than themselves. And there's these petite little girls coming up to greet me and I said, oh God, make me small you know just just make me so small I I I just I I I don't know what to do I I I don't want to alarm or cause any just make me small God but as I looked up and these little girls and boys and they would greet us their eyes were clear their innocence had been restored I, I was my breath was taken away I mean, again, just stunning beauty of God, innocence of God. And so then we go to the back and they begin the worship time and they're singing in Thai, you're a good, good father. Raped and pillaged lives, sold by their own families. And they're reaching out, tears coming down their faith, singing faces, singing, you're a good, good father, you're a good, good father. What is that? That is the gospel on display in the fullness of its beauty. But as I'm caught up in it, I'm in the back and God speaks to me so clearly. And he says, welcome to the house that Mike built. You've just stepped into the room that Mike built with me. Welcome to the house that Mike built. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm just stunned And I realized that we are called the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What are you building in your house in prayer? What does it look like, your life? What have you built in the unseen realm that people see in the seen realm? What kind of house are you building with your own family? How are you establishing through prayer what what God wants people to step into when they step into your home? What about your business, the place where you work? Where have you circled up the power and glory of God? Where is the house of God when they show up into your classroom as a teacher or your business? Or or what, what are you building in your neighborhood what does it look like in the unseen realm so when people step into the world that God has given you to steward that you have interceded and prayed and made a way for the glory of God and it is not just a superhero like Mike we're all called by God to have a place and a space and an assignment to see his kingdom come and his will be done to see an establishment of the grace of God through prayer Somehow the disciples understood this and they came to Jesus in Luke 11 and they had seen Jesus pray. They had seen the power of his relationship with the Father. They had seen the demonstration of the glory of God. Jesus would go off into a lonely place and he'd come back with an increase of power or a dynamic that was unique. And they said to him, Jesus, teach us to pray. In a simple way, they were saying, we see it in you. 
We see it on you. We see it through you. Will you teach us to pray like you pray? And then that very simple phrase, and we'll pick it up on the Matthew 6 version of the Lord's Prayer. Very familiar to all of us, but let me just say it again. Jesus said, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debtors or our trespasses as we also forgive our debtors or our trespass, those who trespassed against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He gave the outline of prayer for all of us. If there's anything I know about you because I know it about me and I've been around for a while on this journey is most people feel deficient in their prayer life. But good news, Jesus taught us to pray. If we'll just apply what he already said, like most things, we can go to the next place that God has for us. And there's a house for you to build as there was for Mike and is for Mike. And God's inviting us into it. And there's a house for the Antioch Indy to build. And God is about to shift something in this community and bring you into being a house of prayer, not just a house that wants to pray, but a house that prays. So here we go. Y'all ready to go through this? All right. So it begins with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name or your name. So here it is. The hallow of God, the glory of the Father, the honor of God, the extension of the hands. Oh, you are the good, good Father. You are who you say you are. There's so many things I could say about that. But let me just tell you what I did this morning. I took Psalm 139. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book you've written all the days that were ordained for me. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them when I count them. They're like the sand on the seashore. O God, you are a good, good father. You have created me for your glory. I am yours and you can't be anything but good because that's who you've always been from beginning to end. You are the father of all creation. I'm not alone. You're with me. You're for me. You're, uh, you, you protect me on the right and on the left. You guard me behind and before. You are a good, good father. Hallowed be your name. You take a passage of scripture and you exalt the father. And then just think about Jesus, right? Because when we say, hallowed be your name, the name of God is wrapped up in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you, you just take a moment and you think about Jesus and you think, what is the way to the Father? It comes through Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said this way. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so again, just this morning, I was just saying, Lord, you're the way. <laughs> you're the way to the Father. You have made a way through your death, burial, and resurrection. There is no veil between God and man because you have made a way. Woo! So I'm coming in on the highway of holiness that you have created through your blood. And I'm walking right into the Father's throne room because you're the way. Jesus, you're the truth. <laughs> 
I think back to Revelations 5 when there was weeping in heaven because none was worthy to open the seals for the revealing of the salvation of mankind. And they said, wait, don't stop weeping. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb that was slain, he has come to break the seals. There is one worthy to break the seals, to forgive the sins of mankind. And he is the way in to forgiveness and healing and cleansing and restoration. There is one worthy. Jesus, you're the truth. And Jesus, you're the life. You're the life. If I abide in you and you and me, I'll bear much fruit. For apart from you, I can do nothing. You're the life. I remember thinking back on my dear friend, Daryl Atwood, he's a mentor, friend, and elder. He struggled through a battle, battle with cancer for about three years. I remember in his last days, he couldn't do much but just sit in his chair and pray, and that's what he was all about. I walked in to see him one day. Daryl, how you doing today? He said, I'm doing great. I'm just sitting here bearing fruit. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Isn't that awesome? It's not about works, it's about walking with Jesus and it all happens from there. Just sitting here bearing fruit because Jesus is Lord. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And, and then I, I immediately just think of I, I, Isaiah 53. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And I just think back to the Old Testament illustration that they would sacrifice a lamb and the blood would be shed so they could go into the holy place and then they could go into the holy of holies because of the blood that was shed by this lamb. And what the priests would do is they would lean into that lamb and transfer their sin and the sins of the people onto the lamb and then the blood was shed so that the door could be open. Now hang with me. <laughs> Thinking about that this morning, woo! Jesus, um, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned on his way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Whatever your guilt and shame is today, just lean in. The lamb has been slain for your guilt and shame. You're not going to get out of it on your own because you were never meant to. You can trust fully in Jesus' finished work and his grace. And you can transfer whatever sin you did yesterday, whatever it is that got you locked up, whatever loops you, just lean in because you can't get rid of it on your own and say, thank you, Jesus, and walk in. Right? Because the throne of grace is open to have mercy, find mercy and help in your time of need. See, it's already a good day. We're, we're just getting going on our Father. This is like, okay, hallowed be thy name, the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it this way. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I go away, I'm sending the helper. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. That word Holy Spirit, that word helper means helper, counselor, a paraclete, the one who walks beside, the intimate one, the intercessor, this, this beautiful helper that Jesus is sending. And Jesus said, I am a time and space person here on earth that you see me. If you're in Jerusalem with Jesus, you're, you got it. But if you're in Nazareth, you missed him. And you got to get to uh, Jerusalem, right? 
But Jesus said, it's to your advantage because when I go, I'll be everywhere all the time to guide you, lead you, help you, and direct you in all things. And even when we're trying to learn how to pray, Paul said in Romans 8, he said, I don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit prays through me with utterances and groanings deeper than words. There is an intercessor, the Holy Spirit is called the intercessor, and he'll teach you to pray if you stay connected to him. So prayer is not give it your best shot. Prayer is get in union and communion with God Almighty and let the intercessor teach you how to pray by his grace. Andrew, hop up here. I often do this to try to illustrate the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is with me. So wherever I go, he's with me, right? If you were born again, you didn't get the junior Holy Spirit. You say, wow, Jimmy's really on fire. I wish I had the Holy Spirit like him. You do. Same Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? No junior Holy Spirit. So... If you're born again, you're sealed uh, by the Holy Spirit of the day of redemption. Of course, we can get empowered and anointed and gifts and all that. But in the end, my communion with God is no different than your communion with God. Mm. Same blood was shed, same spirit given. I have communion, you have communion. And whether you see it or not, as a born-again believer, everywhere you go, he's with you. And so what I'm trying, what often we're saying, we're seeing is, oh, God, be with me. Oh, God, be with me. Like, I mean, he, he's with you, Right? <laughs> He is. It's more the acknowledgement. Right? Well, you need to pray. Thank you that you're with me. I don't feel like it right now. I'm having a tough time. I'm a bit disconnected. But thank you that you're with me. And then everywhere I go, he goes. But here's the goal. The goal is not to just get him to be with you. The goal is the other way around is to go with him. Right? Where are you going, Holy Spirit? What are you saying? What are you doing? I'm with you. I'm not just trying to get you to be with me. I want to walk with you. All right? So, thank you, Holy Spirit. So, so, so you got it. So you start off your prayer life with a scripture about who the Father is and you let the word of God stir your heart. You start with a scripture about who Jesus is. You start with a scripture about who the Holy Spirit is. So then when you get to the next phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, now you are in union and communion with God himself and you're saying, Holy Spirit, let's pray and then you begin to declare your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's a simple definition of the kingdom. Wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. Wherever the king is not, there is chaos. Anything in this world that God is wanting to do, anything that God is wanting to heal, restore, whether that's from uh, people's business relationships to their personal relationships uh, to eradicating sickness, whatever it is, whatever God is wanting to do, when the king is present, all things are possible. And when he is not, the best attempts of man eventually cause chaos. So we are saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in this, uh, on this street, Lord, in these businesses around here, in everything that I'm doing. But let me say, let me get really lock it in close here, though uh, we can talk for hours about how to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And let's just get it down to family, right? Because 
that is usually what's the greatest burden. What's in front of us is our greatest burden. So when I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven over my children, I start off something like this. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven in all my children. Lord, you promise that if I fear the Lord, righteousness will extend to my children's children. Lord, let your kingdom come that I might fear you. Lord, you said that if I fear the Lord and greatly delight in your commands, all my children will be mighty on the earth. Thank you, Lord, that your word's true. Let your kingdom come in my own fear of you and that I might pray adequately. Lord, you said if I, uh, if I fear you, Laurel will be like a fruitful vine and my children will be like olive branches around the table. Laurel will be fruitful in her heart and her life and our marriage and my kids will be anointed by God around the table of the Lord. God, if I fear you, then my sons will be as mature plants in, the, in their youth. My daughter's corner pillars fashioned for a palace. God, if I fear you, all my children are taught to be the Lord. The well-being of my children will be great. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then I begin to pray scriptures over them. And I'll just do one today. So for Kyle and Abby, Lord, I pray over my son-in-law, Kyle. I pray Romans 8, 15. He didn't give him a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption, a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but a spirit of adoption by which he calls out, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifying with his spirit that he is a child of the living God. And I pray that promise over his heart and his life because he grew up in a very broken home. Dad left early. He ended up living by himself his senior year in high school. Ends up coming to the Lord, has this transforming process. And, uh, and this adoption thing, though he absolutely is clear bedrock on it, needs to be reaffirmed in his life on a daily basis as a husband, as a father, as a guy that works for the Department of Defense. All the stuff that he does as a leader in our church community in D.C., all of it flows out of a Romans 8 revelation. And so I'm praying it as a part of the kingdom of God coming and the will of God being done in and through Kyle Van Hecke's life. Now, let me just explain here just a moment uh, something really cool um, is, now, just so I know time-wise, I got 9.30 left, right? Oh, I'm great. All right. So, I'm in Phoenix. I'm telling Kyle's story. I'm talking about Romans 8, a little bit like we're talking about today. And at the end of preaching, a guy comes up to me with a, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, that's the baseball team. He comes up with this jersey, one of those like $100 jerseys, really nice, and he said, uh, hey, I'm a Romans 8 guy too. And he said, give this to your son-in-law. And on the back, where the name says Romans, and the number is 8. And I'm looking at the guy, and I'm like, where did you come from? And why would you bring this jersey, right, to this deal? So, and then he walks off. And I asked Travis, the pastor, I said, do you know this guy? I'd never seen him before in my life. I said, one of two things, either he's an angel sent of the Lord, or he's a guy in town that God spoke to to come to this service and give that jersey because he's answering the prayer that I'd prayed for five years over this man to affirm him that God sees and God knows. When you pray the word of God into somebody, they can't get away from it. It just keeps showing up over and over and over again. And so I pray over all my kids that way. I pray a scripture, the word of the Lord, and I end it with your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the other key piece with that kingdom come 
It says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So what'll happen is I'll start praying one way, declaring the scripture over them, and then I always wait and say, Lord, is this the best way to pray? Is there something I need to know? So uh, uh, if a kid's struggling physically or something, Lord, is there something I need to know? And it'll be, hey, pray this way. Go this direction. Pray against evil and call in righteousness. Pray this, or that, or the other. The Holy Spirit is able to lead you when you're in communion and union and you only want his kingdom come and his will to be done. You're using scripture and God's bringing it alive. Okay? Your kingdom come, your will be done, praying over everything in life. Uh, and then, then next one, give us this day our daily bread. So every day then, you pray through your day. This morning I woke up and said, Lord, I love you. Got a couple hours before the service. What do you, how do you want me to order this day, this morning, this time? And so I felt like, hey, pray through the Lord's Prayer. You're going to preach on it. Just come with me in it. Let's do this. And, and, I, and I, uh, my son and I do a little um, scripture reading every day, and we send each other's text. What does it say? What do we obey? What do you share? You need to do that and, and follow this, that, and the other. Um, Steve Zanaka, I drove over here with Steve. Asked Steve this question. Um, I'm praying already today about after the service, what I'm doing with Andrew. I'm praying my airport time. I'm praying when uh, uh, who's taking me home from the airport. I'm praying over everything in my day. Your kingdom come, your will be done today. Give us this day our daily bread, because today, God, is the day that I have. Some of you guys say, I have a tough time being present. Pray his presence into your day, and you will be present with who you're with. Because you're believing that God has gone before you and that everything matters if it's prayed over. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, here's the deal. It's not a matter of whether offense is going to come today. It's when offense comes, have you pre-prayed and you're ready to forgive. Right? We pick up road dirt every day. If we have not prayed over our hearts and lives, God, today I'm going to forgive. When it happens. Not if it happens. Today I'm going to declare again forgiveness over mom and dad and brother and sister and coworker. I'm going to declare your goodness over their lives. Because it, it, the bottom line is what happens is if we don't forgive daily, then our, our heart gets clogged and we quit hearing God and, and we're not able to be a conduit of God. I have a friend who uh, was having a backed up pipe, pipes. He had put in a new air conditioning system and... Um, and he, he, the air conditioning company, they were friends of ours. And he said, man, I don't know how to talk to Rick about this, but it's not working. They put a new unit in. They rechecked everything. And finally, Rick said, there's got to be a problem with the plumbing down the line. And so they do the really long snake and go way down the line. And the plumber pulls out a hairball the size of a small animal. It's nasty looking thing. He has four daughters and a wife. All the hair accumulated over months was backing up the system, and all they needed to do was clean it out. Unforgiveness is the hairball of the heart. And every day, a little bit falls off, a little bit of offense that becomes a blockage to God. And you start blaming the other systems around you as if that's the problem instead of cleaning out the pipe with forgiveness. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Forgive or you can't pray well. Jesus says that 
unless you forgive, I won't forgive you. That doesn't mean judicially. You're saved by grace through faith, not by your own works. The salvation is in Christ alone. But the flow of the life of salvation and the joy of salvation and the abundant life is determined on the extent that you're willing to forgive and bless those who have hurt you just as Christ forgave you. If you won't extend the grace that has been extended your way, there will be a block in your prayer life. That may be the one turn point that you need today. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. (laughs) Here's another pre-prayer, right? Every morning, God, I'm going to be tempted today. So today, Lord, I'm praying, lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from evil. So here, here's, here's a little thing I do. Lord, I pray over my mind today. I present my body a living, holy sacrifice, which is my spiritual worship to God. And I pray that I would not be conformed to this world, but transformed through the renewing of my mind, so I may know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Lord, I pray that my mind would be the mind of Christ today. Lord, I pray that my eyes, I make a covenant with my eyes that I may not sin against you. I pray that my eye will be clear like the lamp of the body. Keep my eye clean and clear today. God, I pray over my ears that I might hear your voice over every other voice. May I be attentive to listen to you you and listen for you throughout the day anoint my ears to hear your voice God I pray that you'd set a guard over my mouth keep watch over the doors of my lips may blessing come out of my life and not cursing God I allow you to convict me when my mouth opens wrongly Lord would you let blessing and joy and encouragement flow from my lips on a daily basis God I pray over my hands that they would be healing and they would extend the comfort and to care for people oh God your kingdom come your will be done let my hands be healing God I I pray that my feet would be shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I might see people the way that you see them and give a good word to the message of joy to salvation. I pray, oh God, I present my body again, a living and holy sacrifice. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in my body. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. If then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your mind on the things above and not on the things of this earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God when Christ who is your life is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality impurity passion evil desire greed on account of these things the wrath of God will come therefore set aside anger wrath malice and abusive speech from your mouth I'm ready to go Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Now, let me just pause here as we close here in a couple minutes. You're looking at me and say, wow, he's really spiritual. Look at all those scriptures. But all I did was build the wall day by day over the last 33 years. All I did was take one son-in-law, get a scripture, write it down, and pray it back. All I did was say, what are my needs? Get a scripture, prayed it back. And then just gave enough time to pause after my prayers back to God to say, God, is there anything I need to know? And learned how to pray with the Holy Spirit because I'm not praying on my own. God's not saying, give it a go, son, put in the time, grind it out, hope it works. He's with me. 
delighting to teach me as a son and to work through me by his grace. And this is available. It's available to all of us. Let me just uh, end maybe with with one last uh, story. You know, when we sow into something, um, when the moment hits, we have what is needed, right? And um, we had a friend that passed away recently, their mom, real intercessor leader in our lives. And uh, I get up this particular morning and the Lord says, today's the day. I need you to go be with the family all day. Cancel your appointments. I go there. I'm, I'm with them all day. Uh, each family member's there. Grandkids are there kind of for these last moments. And we were, uh, uh, our, our buddy starts playing the guitar. And I um, share a scripture. I've been waiting all day. And I share a scripture out of Psalm 24. Um, talks about the ancient gates being opened, revival coming and all this. It had been a prayer of this lady's heart all her life. And you just sense the presence of God. And they begin to sing a song, a song they had sung for her son after he had passed away. And then all the numbers go down and she's gone. In a moment. And what we realized, Psalm 24, she was in room 24. For the next day, everything was 24, showing up everywhere. And I, I pause for a moment, and, and it's in those moments that you'd say, no man could have orchestrated that. But it was the years of prayer and the years of listening have been imparted to us now, they were made, to believe as she believed and to see what she sees. And the reason I tell that unique story is saying it this way. God has given you assignments to pray. And when you pray, you'll have what you need in that moment, whatever that moment is. Loss of a loved one, challenging situation, contending for a friend. You'll have what you need if you store it up in the day that you didn't perceive that you had a need. And so my admonition is let's store up. This house is called to be a house of prayer for all the nations. We're going to be talking, I'll be talking back and forth with Andrew and the team about what are some strategies that you guys can do. But the strategy ultimately starts today in our own lives. Just taking the Lord's Prayer. Again, I've got all kinds of teachings, all practicals. But just start, just start, just reignite, refire that what the Lord has for you. So let's stand together. Our prayer teams can come quickly. We want to thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can check us out on social media at Antioch Indy or go to our website, www.antiochindy.com.